Welcome to Twice Born Podcast. I am Mike Bailey. On this episode, we will be talking about the importance of sharing the gospel and the mission that the church has to share the gospel with the world. If you'd like more information or you'd like to get in contact with Twice Born, please go to the website twiceborn.net. We are also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, And as we look at this topic of sharing the gospel, let us be open to what God has to tell us. Well, today we're going to look at outreach-oriented. This is the final aspect of what we're built on and what our foundations are and what we want to be about. Outreach. Outreach. And so as, as Logan was sharing, I, I, I was thinking about how my older brothers were Marines. And when they signed up for the Marines, they didn't know exactly what they were signing up for. And the training was very rigorous. And then they were sent to places around the world that they never thought they would go to. Um, and it was difficult, but very rewarding. And then I think of my brother-in-law, who's in the Navy, and he has been called to places around by, he's been ordered, really, to go to different places in the world and see different things. And we have so many in our family that are in the military, and I'm sure you have people in your life that are in the military, that are given missions to go places, they're they're given contracts, they're given obligations to go and do things, and they get to experience things they never thought that they would experience. Well, this morning, before we get into the to the really the meat, to God's word, I just want to share with you, when I gave my life to Christ when I was 16 years old, I was given a mission, I was given a calling, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And it wasn't until uh, that progressed that God began to reveal that he had, he had a lot of things for me to be doing. And over the last 17 years, he's been leading in new ways and places I'd never thought I would go. And part of my heart as a pastor is to be missions-minded, outreach-oriented. How do we reach our community? How do we reach uh, the, the whole Daytona area, Volusia County? How do we reach Florida? How do we reach the United States? And then how do we reach other cultures? And so through this calling and listing in God's army and being part of his family, he has sent me. And I'm, not, I'm sharing this with you to encourage you and also to say that life can be an adventure. Life can be full of so much when you completely commit yourself to the Lord and you listen to his calling. Uh, For me, it began before this, but when I started full-time ministry in 2003, uh, we went to Brazil. And so, yes, thank you. (laughs) We went to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And if you look at that picture, you see a younger Mike, and then you see a younger Jesse. Uh, She went on that. And then you see a Deb, my mother-in-law, was on that trip as well. And Jesse's sister, Shelly, was on that trip as well. In 2003, we went and built churches. We built a church, and we went and did gospel presentations in in schools where we had two, three hundred, four hundred kids that would hear a clear gospel presentation. They'd be given an opportunity to pray to receive Christ, and there would be a church we would plug them into. And so it was a very uh, powerful experience to be able to go there. Uh, Sao Paulo was a place that not a lot of Americans had visited, so we were celebrities. So that was a very interesting experience. And there was a lot of, there was very tough things about that trip, and there was a major blessings. But I'll tell you this, just like in the military, when you know you're on mission and you have left the comfort of your home, you recognize the importance of what you're doing, and you sense it. You sense how important this mission is. And every day mattered. And we would talk about how we represent Christ today. And you know, when you just go day to day and you don't sense that your life's a mission, sometimes you get lax and you don't see that every decision we make in life has an impact. And so in 2004, 
I was able to go to take our youth program. I was a youth pastor, and we took a group to San Ramon, Costa Rica. And there we taught students how to reach children for Christ. And we did uh, vacation Bible clubs there in Costa Rica. And the kids got to see people that lived with absolutely nothing. They got to see a part of the world where it was just devastated by poverty, drugs, and prostitution. And as they saw it, their eyes were open to a world that is hurting and dying in need of hope. And I'm telling you this, in ministry, the number one thing that has motivated students to get excited about their faith is going on trips like this and seeing how God works in the lives of people. And so we went there in 2004, and then in 2005, we returned to Brazil, to Brasilia. Uh, this was one of those exciting adventure trips where my wife and I, uh, we, were, we got engaged on this trip, so we weren't married yet. They would drop us off in a town um, in the morning and leave us there to walk around and meet different people at different houses and invite them to a rally. And that was very intimidating because they speak Portuguese, very few people spoke English, and it was an adventure, and it was stretching, and it was wonderful, but you just sense that this is what God has called us to do, is to be on mission, to give everything to him and allow yourself to be used by him. So this is Brasilia, the capital of Brazil, and uh, there, um, there was leaders we got to speak with, and it was a very powerful trip. And then in 2008, we returned back to San Ramon. We took another group uh, to Costa Rica, and we had the opportunity again to experience so many new things, so many opportunities to share the gospel. In 2010, I had the privilege to go to Lecticia, Colombia. Uh, what we did is we bought a cow, and we put it on the Amazon. Now, Lecticia is a place you can only get to by plane or boat. And so we were on the Amazon, and we got lost on the Amazon, and that was not easy or fun. <laughs> but we took a cow down the Amazon, and we gave it to a village, and they butchered it and turned it into a stew, and we were able to give that stew out to the people. And all of the village, these are people that live on the Amazon for weeks out of the year. Their complete life was living in, in the jungle. And they would come to visit and see what was going on, and we were able to give a clear gospel presentation, sharing the good news of Christ, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. And today there are churches there in Lecticia, Colombia, that have been started, and, and ministries that are expanding because of these trips, because of these commitments to these areas. In 2012, we went on a medical trip to Port-au-Prince, Haiti, where we saw about 400 people a day. We had doctors that went with us and nurses that would take care of these people. But while they were there, we would share Christ with each and every person that came through. And seeing the devastation of the earthquake and being able to in, uh, speak into people's lives the good news of Christ. I've never in my life seen a place where the enemy has just worked so hard to destroy a people. And how the gospel that shines the brightest light there is making such a major impact. In 2013, we returned and... Uh, we played soccer with the locals, and we brought another group. And again, um, this situation—it's—it's not a—it's not a safe trip. We had um, a wall around us at night with barbed wire and a man with a shotgun that walked around the premises while we slept. There was no running water, so when you took a shower, they had a big bucket. You put the bucket of water on your head, and that's how you made it by. And every day, that was the experience of it. It was very raw, but it was very powerful, and you realized that you've stepped out of what you have known your whole life. We don't recognize what it is not to have, some of you do, to not have electricity or running water. 
But for, we get so accustomed to it and we get so used to this world. And when we leave this place and we go out in the name of Christ, it makes a major impact in your life. It does something very powerful and you recognize that you are truly being obedient to the Lord in these opportunities. And then in 2015, we took another group to San Ramon, Costa Rica uh, to share the good news. They go through the entire Bible with the students there so that they get to hear the entire message of Christ. And then in 2017, I went to Ayacucho, Peru, and Ayacucho is at about 12 to 13,000 feet elevation, so it took a long time to get used to the elevation. But I am telling you, we went down and we would interact with the people, and we would ask them questions about what was the most important thing to you, and we would share the gospel with them. And you know what I've learned in all of these trips and all these places? That everyone, everyone I've ever met needs Jesus in their life. Every single person. They all are looking for an answer. You know what everyone says? There's something wrong with the world, and I'm not quite sure what the answer is to it. There's something wrong. Maybe money will solve it. Maybe a relationship will solve it. Maybe, you know, power or a job will solve it. But it's a universal fact that everyone you meet everywhere knows something's wrong, and they're trying to fix it on their own. And to come, and if you can lovingly, clearly share the gospel, and you can, sh- you can scatter that seed into their life, the Holy Spirit of God will grow that seed and life in them. And so why, are, why is it so important to have outreach in a church? Why is it so important for outreach? Because if we don't go, who's going to go? If I don't go, if we don't send... If we don't reach, what's going to happen to those people? What is at stake? What is at stake when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the souls of humankind? That's what we want to look at in the scripture today and ask God to give us a passion for what he's called us to. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy and your hope. And Lord, as we sign up and as we uh, repent and believe and become part of your family, become part of the mission, we have no idea where you're going to send us and what you're going to do, but we know it's good and we know it's the best thing we can do with our lives. And so, Lord, I ask that you would motivate us, that you would challenge us, that you would grow us, and that, Lord, you would speak to us today and give us a heart, Lord, for the lost, give us a heart for the nations. And Lord, help us to recognize our part, the part we play in this mission. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so as we look, we want to look at that first church and we want to say, okay, uh, we are 2,000 years into this. How should we look? What should we be about? And so looking at that first church gives us some really good keys to who we should be and what we should be doing. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, this is when the church has started. Last week we talked about how uh, all the things in the Old Testament led to this point. Uh, Jesus has ascended to heaven. His disciples are meeting. They don't know what to do, so they pray. And here's what happens in verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they met was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And so they've, they've met to pray. They're not quite sure what they're to do. And, and the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the ground shakes. The power of God comes in like a wind of fire. And it fills their spirit. And there's a new confidence that they have. And now they go back to the place that they ran away from. Remember, the disciples ran away. They were hiding at the cross. 
They were not present at the cross. They didn't believe the resurrection. They doubted the women when they said, he's not in the tomb. They said, That's a, you, you don't know what you're talking about. They were not bold in their faith until this moment, until the Holy Spirit of God filled them with a passion to be bold with his word. And so they went from this place and they began to preach the gospel first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And so they began to expand this word out. And as they did this, this is what happened. We're told in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of the people, of all the people, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so what we're told here is every single day at some level they gathered, and every single day someone was boldly proclaiming the name of Christ. Someone was boldly saying, repent and believe and place your faith in Christ and you will be born again. You will be twice born. And people were hearing that message and they were receiving that message. And every single day someone was believing and receiving the good news of Jesus Christ. That means that church grew at least 365 people in one year. What would happen to us if every single day for the rest of this year and into next year, if one person came to Christ every single day? What a blessing that would be. What an amazing thing that would be. And so we want to be praying for this. How did it start? They were praying, and God moved and filled them with the Holy Spirit, and they had favor with their community, and and then the Lord added to their numbers daily. And so there was daily salvation. So what happened? What happened? The church has grown. The church is, right now, the, the, the church as an organization is, one of, is the largest organization on the earth. But it's not, in, in the U.S., we're beginning to die, we're beginning to dwindle, we're beginning to fall. They say that 80 to 90% of students, when they enter college, will leave their faith. The group of people, we call them the nuns, they believe nothing, is the fastest growing group of people in the United States. Right? And so there's a problem. There's a major problem. There's a disconnect somewhere. And I think we need to go to the root of that problem. We need to recognize that this is a major issue that we all need to be aware of. And what is the problem? The problem is the human condition. The human condition. And the Bible is very clear to what the human condition is. Ephesians 2, 1 and 3 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And so here in Ephesians, we are told exactly what the human condition is. And it's this, everyone will receive grace or wrath. Why do we receive wrath? Why is wrath part of the equation? Well, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God, and this is something I think we really need to recognize, something that people struggle with, because they'll say, well, God's loving and he's good. Shouldn't he just be okay with all of us and just forgive us? And yes, there's only one way he can forgive us, 
by taking our sin. That's the only way he can forgive us. Because the reality of our world is this. God is absolute perfection. And sin is the opposite of perfection. And for God to welcome sin into him is to welcome the very opposite of his nature. And he cannot do, it's not that he doesn't want, he cannot, it's against his very nature. And he must, for him to be a holy and just God, for him to be holy and just, he cannot overlook sin. He cannot cast it to the side and say there's no payment for it. It doesn't really matter. It's not a very big deal. It's not a problem. He cannot do that. Because sin is the very thing that keeps us from him. And so it must be dealt with. It must be uh, absolutely judged with wrath so that it is annihilated. Consider this. Some of us, we've, we've struggled in our, in our families and in our church with cancer, right? Sin is like cancer. You can't let it be there anymore. It has to be gone. You can't let a little bit. You got to let it. You got to get rid of all of it. It must be obliterated. It must be destroyed. It must be completely cured. And the same is true with all sin. And so there's a wrath. There is a problem. We are separated from a holy God. We are separated from a just God. And there is a time of judgment where he must deal with every man and woman's sin. And so we will come to this place that every one of us, every one of us that you see me, you hear me right now, I will be, you will be judged. Either we will be covered with the blood of Christ and receive the grace that only he can give, or we will receive the wrath, the due punishment of which we deserve and are rightly given. And if we don't recognize the problem, we'll never understand the goodness of the gospel. If we don't understand the depth of our despair, if we don't understand the depth of our lostness, if we don't understand the true situation at hand, that this is a devastating situation for all of us, that there is absolutely no hope outside of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, then we won't truly want to share the gospel because we don't truly understand the gospel if we don't understand the depths of what sin has caused in this universe. The second problem is that the gospel must be received and believed. And this makes a great issue. Romans brings it up. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? They must hear the gospel. The gospel is what brings freedom. We've been sent on a mission to share the gospel with the entire world. That's the mission of the church. That's your, every single one of us in this room has been given that mission to share the gospel because it is the only hope of mankind. It is the only place that we will find the freedom. It's the only place we'll find the purpose. And it's the only place we will find an eternity set free for us as people. And so here's God's answer. What is God's answer to this problem? He makes it very clear in Romans 1.16. Here's the answer. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. 
first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. You know, something I've recognized is we live in a world that is very bold. Have you recognized that? We have a world that's bold in their sin. They're bold in their rejection of God. They're bold in their rejection of God's ways. Just watch any news anytime and you will see boldness against God. There's a world that is boldened by their sin. They're emboldened by their, their flesh. And the only way to combat that is for us to become bold. For me not to be ashamed or to be afraid or let my voice dwindle because there's an overwhelming voice around me. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The light will expound the dark, but we must declare it. We must pronounce it. It must be heard. It must be declared. It must be sent out into all the places of the world. We need to send people everywhere so that they can hear of the good news of Christ. Why are we outreach-oriented? Because everyone needs to hear the message. Everyone in your life needs to hear this message. Yesterday, my, my son had his, his final football game, and it was a very sad day because one of the players on the team, his father was in a car accident, and he passed away. And you know the reality is none of us in this room know that we're going to live through today. What's the answer to death? What is the answer to death? This is, there's no other answer on earth. There is no other name by which we will be saved. This gospel that we speak of is the most important message that everyone needs to hear. But we need to be bold in it, and we need to send people out, and we need to not lose sight, because what we can do as church is we can enjoy singing together, and we can build a tradition, and we can enjoy reading God's word together, and we can get smarter as Christians, and we can even be very generous in our giving, but we never go out and try to reach people for Christ. And we never share the gospel. And you know what God wants us to be most faithful in is sharing the gospel seed into our community. That's what he's called us to do. And let me tell you something, and please, please, if there's anything else, this is the one thing I really want everyone to hear in this room. There are people that will never listen to me. He's a pastor. He gets paid to do what he's doing. He has to say what he says. And they will discredit me, and that's fine. But they'll listen to you. They will listen to you. It is not by chance, it is not by randomness that you and whoever your friends are, are in a relationship. It is absolutely intentional by God for your children to be in your life, your grandchildren to be in your life, your nephews to be in your life, your neighbor to be in your life, your coworker to be in your life, and I'm going to tell you right now, most of them probably would never turn on and watch a video of me. And they would never listen to this message. And they would say, I'm not interested in that. But you know, mom says it, grandma says it every time I see her, grandpa says it every time I see him. They share this good news of the gospel. And the seed is planted, and the seed is planted. And one day that seed is actually going to germinate and become a new life. A twice-born person. We have to be very careful that we don't turn church into pastors the only one who shares the gospel. I'm here to encourage you. 
I'm here to support you. I'm here to give you every tool I know how to give you so that you can go back into the world that God has put you in and you can spread the seed of the gospel to everyone in it. The mission is our mission. The mission is your mission. If you so choose to receive it, Because the world needs to hear the gospel. 1 Peter 3. When we looked, it said, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know what a big problem is that I found? I've, I've taken people on witnessing trips and I've done things. And sometimes, unfortunately, we don't respect people when we do that. And so it is, it is, a, it is a mission where we're lovingly sharing the truth. Lovingly sharing the truth. And we have to care about the person we're talking to. If you're here today, and I wouldn't assume that everyone here knows Christ as their Savior. If you're here today, let me say this. I want the very best for you. And I believe God wants the very best for you. And the very best for you is to know Christ. Do you know if you get in a conversation with someone who wants to argue with you or someone that's in your life that, that, that rejects Christ in every way, the best way to communicate with them is to say, I love you so much and I just want the very best for you. I want the best. I don't want, I don't want mediocre. I don't want low. I don't want just getting by. I want the best. And the best is the gospel. And that's why I'm sharing this with you, because I want you to know the truth. And I want you to live in freedom that only the gospel can give you. I don't want to argue. I don't want to fight. I don't want to even attack your perspective. All I want to do is tell you, here's the gospel, and here's what it means. Christ is dead for our sins. He went to that cross, and his blood was shed for my sin and yours. His body was broken so that our body doesn't have to be broken. He was dead three days because he had to defeat sin and death. He rose again, defeating sin and death. And then he declared that anyone who repents and believes shall be saved. And that's what I want for you. I repented and believed, and now I am saved. There, I am, there is no doubt that if I was to die at this very moment where I would be, and I want that security for you too, because I love you too much. I care about you too much to not tell you this because I want the best for you. I want the absolute best for you. And so we need to be ready. We need to be bold. And we need to be respectful. Can we love people and share the gospel? Can we share it with them in truth, in patience, knowing that it's the Holy Spirit of God that leads to life? And so how do we apply this? How do we apply this to our life? Because this is the most important mission. This is the most important thing we're supposed to be doing. I would say first, listen for God's calling. Who is he calling you to? He places burdens on our hearts. He fills our hearts with those that he wants us to share the gospel with. And if there's someone that has just been a burden on your heart, I would say pray and then be ready for obedience. Number two, ask God for boldness. 
Maybe it's a really tough conversation. Maybe it's a tough relationship. Maybe the one he's burdening you with is not going to be an easy conversation for you to be gracious and respectful in. And you're going to need his help. No one said this would be easy. The mission is not easy. The challenge is not easy. The gospel will always be fought against by the enemy. Not only the enemy that's in the air, but the enemy that's in here. Our flesh will fight the gospel. Our flesh will fight us from sharing the gospel. The person we're talking to's flesh will fight them from hearing the gospel. And so this is an unbelievable battle that we are undertaking. It is the battle that began at the garden and will not be completed until Christ returns. And so we need the help of our Father. Ask God for boldness. Ask God what to say and to who. What should I say and how should I say it? Don't rely on your own knowledge or your own ability. Live in complete obedience to the Lord. Lord, lead my words. There's nothing more powerful than when God leads your words. When I was a 16-year-old, we, uh, we went into New York City to the pier. And these two young men were talking about, well, I don't want to worry about that. I'll wait till I'm older. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy life. I'll worry about that religious stuff when I'm older. And as they were saying that, there was something in the water, and a police boat came by, and they picked up a dead body out of the water. And at that moment, they looked at each other in astonishment to recognize how short life can be. When we were in Brazil walking through the streets, one of the groups stopped a gentleman and began to share the good news of Christ with him. The man began to weep. They asked the interpreter, why is he weeping? What is happening? And the, the man said, I lost my job today and I was going home to end my life. And I said, God, if you're real, please show me now. And you stopped me at that very moment. I served with a pastor who would share the gospel, and he was sharing the gospel with a young man, and the young man was not interested at all with what he had to say. And the pastor said, what if I gave you a Rolex watch? He doesn't know why he said this, but he said, what if I give you a Rolex watch? Do you deserve it? Did you earn it? Or is it a gift? It's a gift that only you can receive. You cannot earn. And the countenance of the boy, of the young man began to change, and he began to weep. And he said, just yesterday, I went to the funeral of a man that I worked for for over 20 years. And he left me a Rolex watch to remember him by. The words were from the Holy Spirit of God. And when you live in obedience, he lets you experience him in a way that you don't if you just try to make it through this life. If you don't take on this mission, you're going to miss something special to be used by God, to share his words. Thirdly, be ready and respectful. Are we ready? Are you always ready in season and out of season? I'm telling you, these conversations come up when you least expect them, that you gotta be ready. And then finally, here's my challenge to you. Invite them to church. And if they don't want to go to church, say, I'll take you to lunch if you come to church. I'll buy you lunch or I'll make you lunch if you come to church with me. And you get them here and, and I'll preach a sermon. And at the end of the sermon, I'll say you have to be twice born. And you can be on that road to the lunch or you can be at lunch and be like, what did you think about when he said you need to be twice born? What are your thoughts? What do you think about that? Guess what? The conversation already started. 
you already have the opening to share the gospel. Now, it's for them and God to decide, not for you to force. But it is for us to share. It is for us to invite. It is for us to take the steps of going and inviting them to a, a lifelong, eternal relationship with Christ. And so what must any of us do to be saved? Are you twice born? To be twice born, you need to confess and believe. Where do we see this? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 13. If declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, I declare you are my Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, I know only he can raise me from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and you are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess and your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. You will never be put to shame for following Christ. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on his name. And here's the powerful place that we all need to recognize every time we gather. We need to remind ourselves, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the mission. That's what we've been called to do as a church. That's what I've been called to do individually. That's what you've been called to do individually if you're a believer in Christ. To give everyone the opportunity to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. And so what is God saying to you? John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. The Father is calling us. He's giving us the orders. Here's what I have for you. Will you receive the orders? Will you follow through with what you've been given? You know, Jesus had a mission. His mission was to save us. You know he gives you a mission? You know there is a reason for your existence? There's a reason you were born? There's a reason you're in this room right now? Now the question is, when it's all done, will he say, well done? Will he say, well done? You were faithful with the mission I gave you.